I'll be reading from Daniel chapter 6, the entire passage. Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found on in him. And these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps, the councillors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, all the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun was down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast in the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, 
No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commands of and sorry, glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be here this morning, to hear what your word has to say to us. Please be with me as I bring your word to the congregation. I bring it truthfully and speak it in a way that can challenge us and grow us and mature us in Christ Jesus. It will also convict us of our sin. So, Father, please help me and help the congregation to listen. Help us all to listen and go away examining our hearts and see if we are walking the narrow road with you. Walking a faithful walk, trusting you, loving you, and honouring you in everything we do and say. Help us, Father. Please help me now as I come to preach your word. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to look at God rules our hopelessness. I don't know what situation you find yourself in this morning. I don't know if you're in some hopeless situation. But you need to ask answer this question, do you believe that God rules hopelessness? Do you believe that God rules your hopelessness? What about saying, do we believe that God can be trusted to deliver us or rescue us from our most dangerous of hopeless situations? Now, I'm not saying that when we get into a hopeless situation, we must go to Daniel and we must see, okay, 
God rescued and delivered Daniel. Now he's going to do the same for me. Because I tell you this, and I tell you this with a promise and the truth. He did not do that to Jesus. We must stop going to God in prayer, expecting Him to deliver you from the circumstance in. You can pray for that, but don't go with that attitude. We're going to go with a different attitude. We must remember that we've got to keep our eyes on God when we're in a hopeless situation. If God chooses to deliver us from a circumstance we're in, in a, and we find ourselves in a hopeless situation, then thank Him, praise Him. But if He does not choose to deliver you, what are you going to do? Will you keep your eyes on God? Will you walk with God through your hopeless situation? Believe that He rules my or your hopeless situation? Like I said, my concern when faced with a hopeless situation is many of us, we seem to focus more on God rescuing us and praying that He'll take the hopeless situation away. Instead of realizing that in our hopeless situation, we are going to face spiritual challenges. We must believe that. God brings suffering into our life not to tick us off and to, to hurt us. He brings suffering into our lives to transform us and grow us more in Christ-likeness. There's a purpose. And He's going to test your heart to see, do you love me? There's no point singing songs and telling God I love Him and when the rubber hits the road, we don't show that. This is amazing that Daniel shows this and you see the end result. A pagan king giving glory and honor to God. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if and I say this lightly, that the men in parliament, if they are living godly lives, who call themselves Christians, that maybe we would see our president saying something like that. Because he sees God in their lives. God, people will not see God in your lives if you are just bickering, fighting, and, and being like the world. We are different to the world. And it's a challenge. And, and with hopelessness, there is spiritual challenges. And hopelessness will bring pain and suffering. It will bring fear and dismay. We might begin to question God. God, where are you? What are you doing? What's happening to me? And Jesus has told us, and this is the beautiful thing, Jesus has warned us, in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And he goes on to say in another verse, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Keep your eyes on me and learn from me and watch me. And the most amazing passage in the Bible is given to us when Jesus says, Come to me all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Why? Because I'm humble and gentle in heart. And I don't... I don't I'm not harsh with you with your sins. I'm gentle and humble. Come and I can help you. But are you willing to go to Jesus? So he can help you. Jesus is a great example to look at. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He took to heart God's words when found in a hopeless situation. He was betrayed. He was caught up in mockery and torture. At the hands of his enemies, his truest friends ran from him when arrested. There was fear and confusion and panic amongst his disciples. 
Jesus was also left alone in a hopeless situation. But instead of being troubled and afraid, what does he do? He takes heart and turns to God and takes refuge in God. What do we do? We turn from God and take refuge in something else. Instead of looking and reading the Gospels and then saying, if Jesus can do it, who's the Son of God, then I must do it by His grace and mercy. And if I struggle to do it, then I must ask someone to help me. Because we have Jesus as our example. We have Him as the example who walked the path of hopelessness to show us the way, to run to Him, to take refuge in Him. I mean, I think of, of, of Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. And that's Jesus fulfilling those words when He looked to His Father. He comforted Him. He walked with Him. And we are comforted by Jesus when we take refuge in Him. And that's why when we read a, a lovely passage in, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 41, verse 10, says this, and it's a lovely verse we can go to in our hopelessness. Fear not, for I am with you. And this is not Isaiah saying, I am with you. This is God saying, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am your God, fear not, I am with you. I am with you. Someone said the central promise in all of Scripture is, I am with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. And we might say, well, how? His presence, He indwells you. So we must take our eyes off looking at the earthly things when we're in trouble. Let's look at God and let's trust God. And I would want to look at two things to encourage us from Daniel chapter 6 verses 1 to 28. To turn to God, to allow Him to help us in our hopeless situations. Because He is with you. He is with us. And the first thing to overcome the first thing to encourage us to turn to God, to allow Him to help us in our hopelessness is prayer. How often we forfeit prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our, all our fears, and, and I can't remember how the rest goes, but all our fears we can take to Him. We can trust Him with our prayers. And this is what we see in chapter 6. We see Daniel going to God in prayer in his hopeless situation. Yes, there's, there's a reason. He's not going to obey a man. He's going to obey God. And he's not going to compromise his walk with God. But we see him in prayer. Daniel knows that the same God who is sovereign over the dangers that rule the world also rules our hopelessness. He rules his hopelessness. How did Daniel get into this hopeless situation? Well, we know from chapter 6, Verses 1 to 3, Daniel was one of the satraps, means he was a provincial ruler, responsible for security and the collection for the protection. And when he did that, they had to then collect the money and give it to the king's treasury. And Daniel was a hard, faithful worker, and he had served the empire faithfully for almost 70 years. And then when Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, he's kind of plus minus 80. It's not... A young 20-year-old, 25-year-old, 30-year-old, or like we tell the story, we think he's gone from 
from Babylon, 16 years old, and then he goes from here, here into the lion's den. No, there's, there's time, there's years between the chapters that, that things happen. Daniel served faithfully from the time that, that Jerusalem was taken captive to the time that the Persian king Cyrus allowed them to go back to Jerusalem. He served the 70 years that Jeremiah said, you guys are going to be in exile for 70 years, and then God's going to let you go. He served faithfully. And when you do serve faithfully in your work, and you honor God in your work, like he did, well, there can be complications. Are you a faithful worker? Do we work faithfully unto the Lord? Paul says to us in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, for we are serving the Lord Christ. Yes, there is our inheritance as a reward for working heartily unto the Lord, but there's also an earthly reward when we work hard, like promotions. And this is what we see. Daniel works so hard that he gets a promotion. He's, he's doing an excellent job in his role. And God sets him up in a higher position over the whole kingdom. What a promotion. God honors hard work. It's amazing. It's amazing when you get into a high position. And you get into this position of power and control. Pride comes in. And you can think, wow, I can do what I want to you. And Daniel could have done what he wanted to do in his high position. He could have said, wow, these guys stole from Jerusalem. They stole from the temple. I'm going to act corruptly. And I'm going to steal from them. And I can justify it because what they did to me, I'm going to do it to them. Don't we see that today in our own country? Don't we see that? Men are in higher positions and they are corrupt at times. We don't see that from Daniel. You know why? Because it says that in him, he had an excellent spirit. In him was to honor God. And he was willing to honor God in everything he did. I can understand the world as it is. If they don't know God, they don't have a, a, a true person to look to, to live by and walk by. Daniel had his God and he had an excellent spirit in him. He was free from corruption and negligence because he had that excellent spirit in him. And Daniel loved his God and loved his people. And his goal was to glorify God in everything and enjoy him in everything he did. He wanted the world to see his good works, to see God shining through him, so that they might glorify his God, they might praise his God. And that's how the book ends. Or chapter 6. Isn't that amazing? That's how chapter 2 ended as well, with King Nebuchadnezzar. And Jesus has called us to bear fruit in every good work, to be zealous for good works. Paul tells us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why walk in good works? What Jesus tells us in Matthew 5:16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
Are people seeing God in our lives through our good works? And are they coming to us and saying, I want that God. I don't want that God. I want your God. How do I get to know Him? Doesn't mean they're going to believe. Doesn't mean they're going to put their faith and trust in Him. But they might start wanting to know about our God. And that's the Holy Spirit working in a mysterious way to maybe bring them to salvation one day. And this is what, like I said earlier on, in the book of Daniel, we have seen how King Nebuchadnezzar glorified God because of Daniel's good works. He let his light shine. He didn't compromise. And Paul said, if we live godly lives in Christ Jesus, we will be persecuted. Daniel is such a faithful, God-honoring man. And he knows the cost. And it doesn't bother him. He's going to just live for God and honor God. He just wanted to be, he wanted his goodness and his faithfulness to be seen in God. And of course, in Daniel's case, when there's goodness and faithfulness to the glory of God as you work, it doesn't sometimes win you good friends, it wins you enemies. And this is exactly what happened. Some of the satraps were jealous of his promotion. And so they schemed to bring him down. But they could find no fault in him because of his faithfulness. So where did they have to look? They looked to his connection with the law of his God. It's amazing. It's the same thing happens out there. People can't get to us. But they can get to us when they start taking things away from us that we can't do in the church or we can't say anymore in the church. They start attacking the Word of God. You can't, and I say this lightly, we can't use the rod anymore on our children because we're told that it's wrong and does damage. And if we do, we can get locked up. But are we here to obey man or to obey God? Why would God put such a thing in the Proverbs that the rod is good, it saves you from death, it gives you life? Why would, he, why would He want us to do something if it is wrong? We make it wrong because we overdo it. That's why. And when the world sees us doing it wrong, then they, then they think, we must get rid of it. Look at the damage it's doing. That's why. We need to just keep being faithful to God. No matter what the world tells us to do, we say, thank you, but this is who we trust. This is who we believe. But we don't do it to, to show disrespect. And we don't do it out of spite. You do it out of love. And you yet to obey God than man. And if we are going to live godly lives, we will be persecuted. We are living in an age where people have been falsely accused cruelly persecuted and unjustly killed. And I'm talking about Christians. We just have to look to Jesus. And Peter told us, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. He committed no sin. He should be in the president. He should be in charge of the world, which he is, but in a way that people bow down to him because... He is perfect in everything. The world doesn't want that. He committed no sin. 
Neither was the seed found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges, judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. This is what we see in Daniel's life. Living to righteousness. Right living before God. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus lived a life of truth and he was persecuted for it. And we see what happens when jealousy arises and people don't know what to do about you and your life. They start thinking, okay, let's attack their Bible. Let's attack their word and take things away from them. And this is what we see, the satraps and the high officials, they come together and they come together in agreement. They must have gone away scheming. Then they come to King Darius with a proposal for a new law. For the next 30 days, no one was to petition or pray to any god or man except the king himself. All offenders would then be cast into the den of lions. Now we've got Daniel. Now we've got him. But who are they fighting against? Who's they fight against? It's not against flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual powers of the heavens. It's against God. God is for you. Who can be against you? Ask yourself that. If He is in you, is far, is, for, for He is in you, is far greater than who is in the world. And this is how Daniel was living. And it's not easy. I'm not making it easy. It's by God's grace we can do this and we can help each other. These are great historical accounts and we can say stories to tell to our children but it's not just about God saving Daniel there's a bigger picture here Daniel is a type of Christ the tombstone that is sealed is a type looking foreshadow of what Christ was going to do so they come these men come and now they say now a king established the injunction and signed the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So it cannot be revoked. Yes, it could. The king could revoke it, but then he would lose face with everybody and they would throw him off his crown. So again, fearing man, not fearing God. We fear God, not man. What does Daniel do? It's amazing. We read that in verse 9. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Then we read in verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, what did he do? He went to his house, we had windows, he drew the curtains, and then he started praying. And when he finished, he opened up the curtains again. Did he do that? Did he, did he run from God? Did he, did he turn away from God? Did he go and pray in secret? Did he go march and take to the streets in protest? Did he do that? No. He went into his house when he had windows in his upper chamber, and he didn't do that to, to, to boast. He did that all the time. The windows were there. It's not Sunday night he's going to go prove a point. Be careful we don't do that ourselves. We try to prove a point to our friends as a Christian. We can also we'll come off second best. Because God rules. God is sovereign. Not you. Not me. So he goes up to his room in the upper chamber and he, and, and, and he prays facing Jerusalem. Gets down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before the God before his God, as he had done previously. Daniel was a true man of God, a faithful man of God. 
and he would continue to maintain his faithful prayer life. He feared only his God. He did not fear man. He knew he ought to obey God rather than man. And the disciples knew that in Acts chapter 5. They knew they needed to obey. They knew they they needed to keep honouring. Daniel doesn't turn his back on God like many of us do when we find ourselves in a hopeless situation. Not Daniel. He turns to God. You think about it. We don't, we, 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 the example is that Daniel continues to honor God. We see him, he continues to pray in public or visibly to the people. He didn't close the curtains. But we can also assume that he also prayed for mercy from God of heaven concerning the situation. Because he did that once in Daniel chapter 2, verse 18. When, when King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to kill all the wise men, including Daniel and his friends, because they could not interpret a dream. And what does Daniel do when he tells his friends, please, I'm going to go chat with the king. I'm going to go and see what I can do. But do this in the meantime. And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Seek God. Pray to God. And Daniel would have done the same. He would have asked God for help and wisdom in this hopeless situation because he depends on God. He cannot depend and do this in his own strength. Because you want to know why? You just look at the king. And look how he reacted to Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. And look how Daniel reacted to be thrown in the lion's den. One was distressed. One couldn't sleep. But not Daniel. Daniel was at peace with God. We have a true friend. We have Jesus to go to in our hopelessness. And Jesus is right there. When our lives in a hopeless situation. He's right there as a high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus is present with us. That should be the most encouraging and comforting thing to know. Don't look at what you think Jesus is going to do for you. If he delivers you, great. But think that he's present with you. His spirit indwells you. Think of who Jesus is, the man of God, the son of God. We must start thinking of, of, of God in our situations and not of what God is going to do for us. Because if you're praying only for what God is going to do for you and he doesn't, it just brings more discouragement, more, uh, more faint-hearted weariness. But Daniel, what an amazing man of faith. He continues to pray. Someone said, real, true faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. That's why when Jesus talks about, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls, and he says, come, yoke with me. Come, come, lean on me. Come, 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 put your arm around me. Let's, let's do this together. But I'm responsible to go to Jesus. And if I go to Jesus, Jesus will help me. As I told us, I am with you. I will never leave you. We must keep on in prayer in our weakness. We must cast all our concerns on God because He cares for us. We are told that in 1 Peter. God cares for us more than we will comprehend. More than we think. We think when we are in a hopeless situation, God doesn't care for us. He does. And He's put you in that hopeless situation because He wants to work in your life. He wants to grow you, transform you. And He wants to mold you more into Christ-likeness. It hasn't done to tick you off and to make the rest of her life lived in misery. God is not like that. 
And the only way we can get through when being afraid and anxious and dismayed and discouraged and faint-hearted is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Do not grow weary and faint-hearted. And what does Daniel do? Daniel just keeps on praying. Daniel didn't run to God once a day in a crisis and now he's got this problem. He was doing this before the crisis, three times a day. That's telling us Daniel is taking worship seriously to his God. Yes, that's what the Jewish did. They prayed three times a day. And the fact that he faces Jerusalem is telling you as well that he is serious about worshipping the God of creation. And he's not just going to pray to him in a crisis. He prays to him on a regular basis. Like we've been told to pray without ceasing. Pray regularly. Don't wait for something to come. Oh, now I must pray. Or someone's asked me to pray. Now I must pray. We should be praying most of the time. We should have a quiet time, a time when we spend time in prayer in the morning and maybe sometime in the afternoon and maybe sometime in the evening. But we don't have, we don't have to get legalistic about prayer, but we should be praying generally. Sometimes when you're walking from your car to the office or to, or to the shops, you might think of, of Arthur and you might start praying for him. Or you don't scratch your head and think, oh, shame, poor Arthur, or poor so-and-so, or poor so-and-so. Pray. We talk too much and we pray less. That's why one thing I like about our prayer meetings, we pray. There are times when we talk, but there are, there are more often we are praying. An hour, and we pray for sometimes a good 45 minutes of that hour. Where I have been to prayer meetings where we've chatted for 45 minutes and prayed for 15 minutes, and we call it a prayer meeting. That's not a prayer meeting. That's fellowship. And you might as well just open in prayer, close in prayer and fellowship and go home. We don't have a prayer meeting. Prayer meetings should start with praising God and end with thanking God as well. And everything is in between. And we should just pray without ceasing. I love our leadership prayer meetings as well. That's all we do. We read scripture and we pray. And we pray continuously until there's silence and it ends. And we've got a half an hour to do that. We need to turn back to prayer because God is the master of our hopeless situations. But will we allow him to take us through our hopeless situations? And when these higher officials found Daniel praying before his God, it's amazing how quick they are there to run, tittletale, run and tell on, on Daniel. They run to King Darius and they go and tell him, Daniel's not paying attention to our decree. And again, what does this do? It's amazing. It distresses the king. Why would the king be distressed? Why, why, would, why, would, he, why would he? Because he sees that Daniel is such a man of character, a man of God. He, he's, he's, he brings so much to his kingdom. And he knows he's a faithful man. But he knows that what can he do? I mean, he spent time I think it's, yeah. Um, the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He thought of every way that he could deliver Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue Daniel. He thought and he schemed, how can I rescue? How can I rescue this Christian man? Where today many presidents and kings want to throw Christian men in jail and lock them up or have them um, martyred. Why? Because this man was faithful. This man was, was sound. But the king couldn't do anything because he feared man. 
I read around, he could have revoked, he could have, he could have done something, but his reputation was online. And then he has, he orders for Daniel be thrown into the den. That's the only thing Daniel, that's the only thing Darius could do, and that was throw Daniel into the den. But it's amazing, the fact that Daniel was going to be thrown into the lion's den didn't deter him. He carried on praying. He showed he, which we're going to look at next week, he trusted in God. That's the second thing we need to look at. Are we trusting God in our hopelessness? Do we pray to God in our hopelessness? And are we trusting God in our hopelessness? Because this is what it said at the end of verse 23. Because he had, in, he had trusted in his God. He trusted in who God was. God is God. God is the creator God, the all-powerful, all-known, all-wise God. Daniel knows his God because he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God is sovereign. That should encourage us to run to God in prayer in our hopelessness. Because God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. But we need to, which we can look at next week, learn to trust him. What a great example Daniel is. And what a great example Jesus is as well. He's, he spent time in prayer in his hopeless situation. Knowing that he was going to be betrayed. Knowing in the Garden of Gethsemane what was going to happen next. Mocked, tortured, abandoned. Laughed at, but he entrusted himself in prayer to his Father. So this first thing to encourage us, to turn to God, to allow him to help us in our hopelessness, is prayer. But will we do that? Will we stop running somewhere else? Or running and, and, and there's nothing wrong with dumping everything on someone. But before you do that, why don't you run to God and dump it on him? I would do that first. I would rather dump it on God. Say to God, I, I was reading a book and it's amazing how we sometimes pray and, and this guy was saying, even pray to God and say, God, please don't be deaf to my prayers. Please help me. I need you to rescue me. Please don't, don't, do not, not hear my prayers. I need you to deliver me. I'm in a hopeless situation. And it was from Psalm 28, verses 1 to 2, that this guy's explaining how we actually how David was praying this prayer as well. We can turn to Jesus. And I'll close with this passage, this, 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 these verses. We can turn to Jesus and pray, because therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself, listen to this, has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted in your hopeless situation. Jesus will help you. He will give you the wisdom to endure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to turn to your word, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be given hope. We know in, in, in Romans 15, we, we are told that your word is there to instruct us. 
Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope in our hopeless situation. So, Father, help us to, to turn to you in prayer. Help us to turn to the Scriptures and, and read them so we can pray them back to you in our hopeless situation, so that we can, can endure our hopeless situation, that, that we can push away anxiety, push away a weary heart and a faint-hearted heart. Push away that pain and that suffering. So, for Father, please be merciful to us. Give us the wisdom to turn to you more often when we're in our hopeless situation. Give us the wisdom to, to run to you, knowing that like the prodigal son, you'll meet us with open arms so we can find great comfort in who you are and in your word. So Father, thank you again for Jesus, our faithful high priest who's there to help us, who was tempted in everything, yet without sin. So Father, have mercy upon us. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.